This is episode number 99 with the co-founder and CEO of Donut Envy, Alex Jingled. Welcome to the Path to Freedom podcast. I'm your host, Wes Barefoot, where it's my mission to help aspiring entrepreneurs and existing business owners take control of their lives and create freedom for themselves through business ownership. Each episode, I'll be exploring the strategies and tactics of other successful entrepreneurs that have created freedom in their own lives while sharing what I'm learning along my own path to freedom. I'm glad you're here. Let's drop in. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back to another episode of the Path to Freedom podcast. Thanks for dropping in. Today, my guest is Alex Jingled. Alex is the co-founder along with his wife uh, and CEO of Donut Envy, which is an interactive mobile franchise opportunity serving up hot mini donuts, fresh squeezed lemonades and other juices, plus hot and iced coffee. Um, I love this concept. It's unique. Um, It's a fun concept, but the business model really, really works too. I've kind of dug into this and, um, you know, this is, this is a really cool concept. Um, And Alex does a really good job of kind of helping me unpack exactly how the business model is set up you know, why this could be an attractive franchise opportunity for many people. Um, And we also talk a lot about how this is very different from the vast majority of other food franchise concepts that are out there. You know, the traditional food franchise model, which is what so many people think of when they initially think of franchising, um, you know, is tough for a lot of reasons. And and we talk about some of that in in the episode, but Donut Envy is very different. It's unique. You know, the the amount of capital that's required to get this business up and running compared to the vast majority of other food franchises and really just other franchise concepts in general is dramatically lower. Um, but but some really, you know, interesting unit economics and and you know earning potential with this as well, as Alex shares with us. So um also Alex shares the story of how he and his wife got into business for themselves in the first time. And I love this, love this story. It's a true entrepreneurial story. They bet on themselves and they went out and they built an amazing business. And now they're allowing other people to tap in and learn from everything that they've built through, you know, this amazing franchise opportunity. So with that, let's go ahead and drop in with Alex Jingled, co-founder, CEO, Donut Envy. Hey, what's up, Path to Freedom listeners? Thank you for dropping into another episode very excited about this one. It's going to be a sweet, sweet episode. Today, I'm joined by Alex Jingled. I hope I said your last name right. I think I did. Good. Yes. <laughs> All right. Beautiful. Alex, uh, thanks so much for dropping in here on the Path to Freedom podcast. Been looking forward to chatting with you. Um, so tell tell the audience a little bit about yourself and, and the business that we're going to be talking about today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Wes. Uh, so Donut Envy is a mobile interactive concept where we bring the party to your door. Uh, think graduation parties, uh, bar mitzvahs, 
weddings, movie sets, you name it, anything fun where there's lots of people and they're looking for something delicious and also a bit of a show where they can watch what's happening and watch everything being made hot and fresh, you're going to find a Don't Envy location there. Love it. Very good overview, kind of elevator pitch. We're going to dive into a lot more detail on you know, exactly what Donut Envy provides, how the business model is set up. Um, you guys started franchising this business, what, four or five years ago? Technically, December of 2018. Uh, okay. This is our first franchise concept. So we've definitely been learning along the way. Um, you know, we technically started franchising December of 18. It took us about a year to really get on our feet, sure. understand the franchise world. And we sold our first franchise about a year later, December of 2019. Okay. All right. So we're kind of mid 2022, August, 2022 right now. So, um, had franchisees in the system for a couple of years and we'll talk more about this, but you're, you know, at a, at a really awesome point in your brand's evolution where you're kind of ready to step on the gas. You've got a solid foundation, a lot of really good systems and processes kind of had some time to figure out the whole franchising game. And, um, you know, now, you're in a position where you want to get a little more aggressive about, you know, growing and adding the right types of franchise owners. Um, and, and this is an exciting concept. I've told you this in conversations we've had, uh, at least compared to the majority of the other brands that I work with, this is very unique. Um, it's obviously a food concept in that it's donuts, right? Um, and you guys have some beverages that I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about that too, that you offer. But, um, you know, I've said it on the podcast. I'm, typically not a huge fan of food concepts when, right. when I look at the landscape of franchising, but a lot of that has to do with number one, how much money it costs to get the business up and running. Right. I mean, a traditional food concept, whether it's fast food or quick service or whatever, that's a heavy lift, right. To yes. even just get to the point where your doors are open and you can start serving clients and generating some revenue. Especially um, in today's time. Yeah, exactly. Right. And then there's all these other challenges, right? You've got waste and you've got labor and stuff like that. And so what I love about your model is you've solved for pretty much all of those big pain points that traditional food concepts have. And, and we'll talk more about that, too. But before we dive into all of that, give us a little bit of history. Like, how'd you get into the donut business? Yeah. So that's always the big question is, Alex, do you love donuts? And <laughs> donuts are great. Uh, yeah, probably one of my favorite foods, but it really goes back to what I was looking for, what my partner and wife, Amanda, were looking for, not only in business, but out of our, our own lives. So yeah. we both came from come from the corporate America world. Uh, I was in the insurance side of the world uh, following college. I went to Penn State and shortly after I got into the insurance game. My partner, Amanda, was in luxury retail management. So she worked for Dave Gurman, okay. Omega, and most recently, uh, Tommy Bahama. She was in store management. And we just, we had conflicting schedules. We weren't uh, weren't able to travel when we wanted. We weren't able to do the things we wanted. And you just weren't able to use your, your PTO time, right? You're earning your PTO and you're, you're working for someone else. And they say, well, are you sure you actually want to use it? Are you sure you want to take time off? Like, yeah, I want to use it. You know, I'm, I'm, right. I'm working for you. Like I need what, time off. What kind of a question um, is my that? Own business. Yeah, it's silly. So it, it's so silly that we just said, you know, what are we doing here? This is, uh, I think it's time to do our own thing. I'm a serial entrepreneur. So I've actually been an avid eBayer since I was 12 years old. Uh, oh, really? 12, 12 years old. 
my dad has been in IT uh, for as long as I can remember. And my parents together were entrepreneurs. And I remember at 12 years old, uh, going to the basement and there were old cell phones in the basement. And I said, hey, can I throw these on eBay? And they said, sure, you know, do whatever you want. They're just sitting there. And uh, that kind of started, jump-started my entrepreneurial career uh, at 12 years old. Uh, shortly after I got into reselling some things from like the outlet centers, that's when Coach was starting to come up in the outlet world before ah. it was so oversaturated. Yep. And uh, that really just continued through different products, like through my college days and um, you know, I just, I've always had that entrepreneurial bug. I've seen it in my, in my parents and my family and the you know, immediate family there. Uh, and it was always just something I enjoyed and I loved, and I've, I've always had a passion for, um, you know, of course with the biggest thing in, in having an entrepreneurial spirit is you also have to have realistic expectations and, uh, you know, even though you might have a good side hustle, you need, you need something that's steady as well. So, yeah. uh, I actually started working at, the age of 13 at Subway. Oh, so really? I've been, yeah. So, so I was actually a sandwich artist at, at the age of 13. <laughs> Love it. And, um, you know, it was just, I was, I was looking to pay for, so I was saving up insurance money for my first car. I hated it at the time. I said, I remember coming home one day and I said to my dad, I, I absolutely hate this job. And he said, one day you're going to look back on this and you're going to really value what you're learning. And I said, there is no way you are out of your mind. <laughs> and, you know, a lot of what we draw on comes from experiences, good or bad, that we've had in pre, you know, previous times, of course, like anything else. But, yep. um, you know, I worked at Subway, uh, worked at Rita's Italian Ice, worked in uh, the catering industry in Bankwoods, uh, worked at a minor league baseball stadium, uh, an arcade so, you know, just really got a lot of different experience. And when it came time for Amanda and I to really figure out what's next, what's this, what are we going to build together? We went back to food because we're big foodies ourselves. We love to travel. We, we love food. And we just started to put the, the pieces together. The biggest thing, the biggest hurdle for her in retail was if a customer came back to the store, returned something, she was getting prorated on that commission or, you know, on that return. Same thing was happening to me in insurance. If I signed someone up and let's say I signed you on for auto and home insurance and you cancel two months in because you found a cheaper rate elsewhere, my commission was prorated. And we mm. said, you know, this is just crazy. We're hustling for someone else for for big, uh, you know, corporate America, um, big corp. And, you know, we're just not being rewarded for it. But the big thing in the food industry is, you know, whatever you sell today, as long as that customer is happy, they're going home happy. Uh, there, there's typically no refunds for the most part. You know, you're going home with whatever yeah. you made that day. Tough, tough to return a donut, especially if you've taken a <laughs> bite or two out of it, right? That's right. That's right. I mean, we've only had, you know, you have your, your small handful of uh, customer issues here and there, but for the most part, you know, I think it's been under a dozen over the last like nine years where someone's actually said, Hey, can I get a fresh bag of donuts? Yeah, no problem. Yeah. Gotcha. I, I love, I love this kind of story, right? Because it sounds like you and your wife were, were wise enough to, to kind of realize that, you know, Hey, if we're going to, you know, leave our corporate jobs and start something, you know, before we decide what the widget's going to be, like, let's first look at our the experience we already have. Like, what do we, what do we not necessarily love about what we've done up to this point? Right. And so the, you know, maybe inconsistency or the fluctuation in compensation based on factors outside of your control, like returns or someone moving their, their insurance policy elsewhere, um, so you, so you kind of set that as a, as a criteria, right? Is like, let's find a business that, 
doesn't have that same type of fluctuation. Um, and then, Absolutely. you know, something that's going to fit your lifestyle, right? You guys wanted to travel and, and all of that. And so that's, I think, something that's important for the listeners to to pick up on, right? And, you know, anyone listening that's worked with me through the process that I have to kind of identify what types of franchises could be a good fit, that's where we start, right? We never start with, hey, what industry do you want to be in or what product or service, you know, are you passionate about? You know, we we touch on those things, but that's only after we first kind of really defined, all right, what are the most important characteristics of a business? And what do you want your lifestyle as a business owner to look like? And what are the things that you as the owner of the business want to spend the majority of your time and energy on? And what are the things you'd prefer not to have to spend as much time and energy on? After we've defined that, that gives us some really good direction. We can eliminate a lot of options that are not going to be a good fit. And then we can better focus on options that are going to be a good fit. So it sounds like you and your wife did a really good job of kind of going through a very similar process as you were contemplating what you wanted to to go out and build. Yeah. You know, as unintentional as it may have been, uh, you know, we knew the basics of what we were looking for and we kind of just, we, we ran, we ran with it. That's the biggest thing when you're looking to get in business for yourself, whether that's with a franchise or, or on your own, you know, it's just, just jumping in and, but sticking with it too, you know, it's important to jump in and, and get started and believe in yourself, but it's also sticking with it is, is really important because you're going to have a lot of stressful days. You're going to have a lot of hard days. You're going to want to give up. Uh, I, I know you have a number of businesses yourself and, you know, you, you get those days and they happen more frequently than you would, we would like, but yeah, uh, you know, that's what kind of makes the overnight success happen where people say, you know, 10 years later, wow, this, this just blew up all of a sudden overnight. <laughs> yeah. It blew up overnight because yeah. You know, well, it was actually over 10 years because, you know, I didn't sleep for last, you know, X amount of yeah, years. It's like a 30, 3600 night success. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> and that's exactly it. So I, I think that's, you know, that's why franchising is so powerful is because, of course, you can build it your own, you know, on your own. And we get that question a lot. Why should I go build a donut trailer myself? And you absolutely can. Uh, but, you know, instead of starting on day zero, you know, you're starting in year nine, year 10 with us. And, uh, you know, you don't have to figure it out. You have you have the widget, but you also have the support. And that's that's the biggest thing is food was our widget. But really, sales and marketing was always my strength. And that's essentially what we built. Uh, a lot of times when we're, we're talking with candidates, we get faced with, you know, this is food. I don't want to be in food. You know, the way it's designed, um, it, it's essentially a sales and marketing role. And the amount of time you're on the truck is really split typically about 50 to 60% on the truck and then 40% behind the scenes doing sales and marketing things like social media and backend work. Um, so everyone has their role in, in the company. That's that's really what I do at this point and absolutely love, you know, that that side of the business. Yeah, it's 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 definitely an interesting model and and we're going to unpack um a lot of it so the listeners can really kind of fully grasp the model and and like I said earlier how it's different from the vast majority of your food concepts. But I think that's an important point and and I think this applies to a lot of franchises, especially a lot of the types of brands I work with is like you know, you can't look so much at at the the actual widget what's the product or service it's you know what are the systems and processes that are already in place that allow a franchise owner to ramp the business up quickly and and quickly start selling a lot of whatever the widget is but that's where the value in a lot of franchise businesses 
is. It's the the systems, the cells, mm -hmm. the marketing piece, all the infrastructure that's already in place. And I love the way you kind of put it, which is like, yeah, you can, of course, go do this on your own if, if you have enough grit to do it. But you start on day zero, whereas with us, you're starting on, you know, year nine or 10 because of everything that we've already built. And I mean, that's that's the thing, because I have a lot of these conversations too. Wes. Why would I want to pay all these fees up front to be a franchisee? And then, oh, my God, they're going to take a percentage of my revenue going forward because I'm a franchisee. And to me, it's it's look, you're going to spend a lot of money to get a business up and running to do it the right way, regardless of whether it's a franchise or not. Yeah. Um, but with the franchise, if the franchise is built the right way, right? And doing the right things to support their franchise owners, you're going to expedite the ramp up and you're going to decrease the learning curve so dramatically. And it just, it gives you the ability to run faster, right? My wife and I have two franchises. Both of them are seven figure plus businesses. And we've done that in like a four year span. No way, no way would we be able to have $2 million plus businesses in four years if we would have just said, Hey, let's Let's find a concept and build it ourselves. Mm -hmm. And the other thing, I think I've shared this story on the podcast before, but we tried that at one point, right? One of the, the businesses we own, we do custom shelving and custom closets. And a lot of our clients would ask us for garage organization products. And we didn't have that through that franchise. There's franchises out there that specialize in that. But, you know, we, we thought we knew enough about that business to where we could go out, get set up as dealers with a garage organization product company and do it all ourselves. We spent nine months and a fair amount of money trying to build out a website and figure out a CRM system and, you know, how to do our estimates. And, you know, we were trying to essentially replicate what we had in our shelving franchise and finally got to the point where we were like, this is crazy. You know, we've got nine months and, you know, however many thousands of dollars into this at this point, and, and we haven't even, talk to a single potential customer <laughs> like you know whereas yeah. in our shelving business nine months in we'd done hundreds of thousands of dollars of, of revenue already so anyways I, i'll i'll digress from that point but um a lot of good things you brought up there so i i think you gave us kind of a good synopsis of you know why you guys decided to get into this business was there anything particular about donuts or did you just say you know hey this this we we see a need I mean, who doesn't like a good donut every now and then? So for us, the donuts were go, going back to the donuts being the vehicle. We we wanted to get into food. We enjoy food, but we weren't sure what we were going to do. And we came across used donut equipment actually on Craigslist. So that kind of dates me and dates the concept a little bit because <laughs> Craigslist really isn't around too much these days. So, you know, going back, this is around 2014. And uh, we came across used donut equipment on Craigslist and we, we said, you know, this looks pretty cool. And I actually saw in the background of the picture of the equipment that the equipment was set up at an outlet center. And it was the outlet center that was about 10 minutes from our house, the Philadelphia Premium Outlets. And I contacted the seller and I said, hey, I'm interested in your equipment, but what's the deal? Is this still set up as an existing business? And he said, no, we were previously there. We didn't do well. And, you know, I'm sure if you're interested, you could contact the outlets long story short, I ended up staying home sick from work the next day. And given, uh, given the outlet, uh, center a call talking to the manager and he said to me, yeah, you know, we, um, we, we had this concept before it didn't work out. It just, it wasn't for whatever reason, it didn't work out. 
And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll gladly take your rent money if you want to come back and set up a donut shop. So we said, okay, I'll get back to you. You know, give, give us a couple of days here, just a little bit. And we, we did some research on what the concept was previously. It had a terrible name. Uh, it, it just, it wasn't, it didn't have that. It had a very mom and pop feel to it. It didn't have the, the franchise look to it. It didn't have that clean, polished look. And we thought it over. This is in our first apartment, our first, uh, first apartment in uh, Pennsylvania. And we had a whiteboard on the wall. And we basically did a, an ROI analysis of what would the worst day look like based on the rent that we're paying? What would this look like? And should we do it? Should we not do it? You know, how, how quickly can we make our money back? Uh, and we were just, it, it looked too good to not do. That was really what it came down to. And okay. um, the, we, we were still on the ledge though. And a lot of business owners, you know, first time business owners or entrepreneurs or franchise franchisees, you know, there's, there's usually a life changing moment of some kind that actually pushes them into taking that, that leap. Yep. And for, for us, I was actually headed into an insurance appointment, uh, probably one of my biggest appointments ever. And Amanda calls me, uh, I was about nine 30 in the morning. She calls me and she said, Hey, I said, Hey, what's up? And she said, I just got fired. And I said, you just got fired. Um, I guess we're doing donuts. And she said, yeah. <laughs> and from there we we ran with it we we had everything figured out already we said you know this, this is too good not to do but we needed that push and yeah we literally signed the lease the next week we bought the equipment that same week and we hit some hurdles in the beginning with permits and licenses we didn't know what we were doing sure you know we didn't know what a certificate of, of occupancy was um we didn't we knew we needed a health permit that was the big focus but we missed a couple steps along the way <laughs> sure and about three weeks after we wrote our first rent check, we finally got the doors open and it was a runaway success from there. Lines were wrapped around our kiosk and the rest was history. But, you know, it, it took that that push to really get us rolling. Yeah, it's I love that story. Um, funny enough, my my wife got laid off. Uh, she was on maternity leave with our first child. She was working in for a big pharmaceutical company and they laid off like half of their sales force nationally. And uh, she found out like two weeks before she was supposed to go back off of maternity leave. And kind of like you and your wife, we'd been kicking around a lot of ideas, knew we wanted to get into something for ourselves. She was really stressed about going back to work with, you know, having a baby that young. Um, mm -hmm. and so it's, you know, you, you can look back, I'm sure you and your wife look back at it now and say, Hey, you know, that that's a blessing that it happened the way that it did. Um, Absolutely. but it's scary as hell at the time, right. You know, like you said, it's a life changing event. Um, you know, and I think like the, the, the piece of advice I give, cause everyone struggles with this, even if, even if you've owned a business before, right. Like it's still, it's still scary when you kind of get right there to the edge and it's either commit and jump or back off. Um, there's still a lot of anxiety, you know, for, for most people to actually pull oh, the trigger on something. And so, I don't know, for me, I've just come to kind of look at it as like, look, I, I would rather try versus regret never trying. Oh, absolutely. And I a hundred percent agree. I think if you can make that mindset shift, that makes it a little bit easier to, you know, step out of your comfort zone and and try something new, like starting a business. Um, so that's, that's a cool story. But so I, I guess I didn't realize, so your first location was actually not mobile, like the, the models built today, it was actually a, a kiosk at, would you say an outlet center? 
Yeah, so it was a kiosk, a 10 by 10 kiosk at the Philadelphia Premium Outlets. We were, it's an outdoor mall. Uh, to hire in Simon Center. And we actually built a, a great relationship with Simon Premium Outlets. We personally operated up and down the East Coast from New York through Florida um, because of that relationship that we built. Wow. And uh, very, very commonly, we actually have a, a franchisee now, Tampa Premium Outlets. And some of our other franchisees still pop up at outlet centers throughout the country uh, just because of those relationships uh, relationships that we, we do still have, which is awesome. But um, we ventured out into uh, many of the other outlet centers, places like Tanger Outlets and mm-hmm. uh, working with other mall companies, Bricksmore Real Estate. Uh, you know, and that's that was really some of the the early footwork that we did to uh, to to kind of get our name out there and and have customers and, and guests seeing us, you know, in these prominent centers. But so, yeah, that that really played into the mobile side and how we grew into mobile. Interesting. So what what kind of time frame was this when you opened this first kiosk? So the kiosk opened uh, Memorial Day of 2014. Uh, funny story, okay. but going back to how we didn't know everything that we needed in terms of permits, we we wrote the rent check for May 1st of 2014. I think that was almost everything we had in our checking account at that time. And we had everything in place. Everything was ready to go. And then they said, okay, where's your COI? Or your uh, your uh, uh, occupancy center, uh, your certificate, certificate of occupancy, and I said, uh, "What's what's that?" <laughs> and your CO. So we uh, we ended up having to fight the township for about three weeks. Oh, we didn't Lord. think we were, yeah, we didn't think we were getting this permit. And uh, the township actually called me the Friday morning of uh, right before Memorial Day, going into Memorial Day, and they said, "Hey, be here by two o'clock. Grab your permit. You're good to go for the weekend for Memorial Day, which is like the biggest holiday weekend of the year." Yeah, and we kind of wrote it off at that point. We went to see family in in Delaware, which is about a three hour ride, and there was no way I was making it back to get this permit in time. So I called my buddy. I said, "Hey, I need you to do me a solid. You need to go grab this permit." We we flew back to Pennsylvania, you know, drove back, but flew back as fast yeah. as possible to Pennsylvania, and we got open that next morning, uh, Saturday morning of uh, Memorial Day, and uh, it was incredible, incredible response. And then from there, we just we had a lot of people saying, you know, this is super cool. How do I get set my wedding or my private event? And we started thinking, you know, what's the next step in kind of our iteration here our, our life our life cycle of of this brand and uh that's when we really started to think about this crazy thing called a food truck over the next year that's so cool so i i'm curious so you, your first location literally you bought the used equipment off of craigslist did you have to like train yourself on on how it all works did, did you guys like just make a crap load of donuts before you actually <laughs> launched to make sure you knew what you were doing we had no idea how to make a donut <laughs> and it, it it took us weeks to to figure out how to actually make donuts the right way i mean we literally got thrown into the fire we thought we were gonna have more time to perfect it so apologies to anyone who had donuts on the the first couple of days or first week or two of of cinnamon donuts but it was a good, good product but uh we were definitely winging it and uh over time we you know we just we started to figure out of course how to do it better like you do in any business sure uh, but the biggest thing for us was really the equipment that that's a big differentiator for us today of distributing our own equipment uh, but that was something we learned in, in the first couple of months especially is you know we weren't we love the product but we wanted to do it better and over time we started to do it better a number of different ways i love it i love it um so you, you i think you just mentioned originally that first location was called cinnamini donuts it was 
yeah, yeah. cinnamon donuts. And and so the listeners know, and I'm gonna put a link to to Donut Envy's website in the show notes because I'd encourage you to go look at it. You know, I, I see what the actual donuts look like, but more importantly, the trailer. Alex alluded to this earlier, but you know, the trailer's set up really nicely, especially if you have kids. There's like a window where they can actually watch the donuts being made. So it's kind of a fun interactive experience in addition to, you know, delicious food and beverages. But um, so go look at it so you can kind of visualize what Alex is describing here. But we are talking mini donuts, right? This is not like a Krispy Kreme where you get, you know, the the big old honking donut. This is smaller miniature donuts. All mini, yeah, all mini bite size. So they're they're almost entirely guilt free. You know, <laughs> when you come up to the window, um, one of the big questions we get is, do you sell them uh, as singles? And we don't. We sell them by the bag. We call them carnival style. So you get a half dozen or a dozen or a bucket. Uh, but everything we sell is a baker's half dozen or a baker's dozen. So there's always an extra one. Uh, our our mission or kind of going back to our values is to always surprise and delight our guests. And that extra donut actually goes a long way. A lot of people count their donuts, surprisingly. So that I, yeah, extra I donut in the that. bag. Yeah, it's, it, it really, you know, makes some of our customers say, wow, this is really cool. I got an extra donut. So, uh, But yeah, so- all mini bite size. So like a first time customer, they're going to see the menu and they're going to say, all right, I want a half dozen. And they think they're getting six, but then they get seven actually. Always seven. Yeah. Always seven, always 13. And then if you're getting the bucket, the bucket's overflowing. You're getting at least 40 mini donuts in there. Um, I love that. That's such a nice touch. And I could absolutely see how that goes a long like it kind of it, it sounds like a kind of small thing but i could see how that really goes a long way with uh with your customers so yeah guilt free until you realize you've eaten an entire bucket on your own and then <laughs> then then there yeah, may right. may be a little guilt at play but um so fat free in the middle though so even if you eat the whole bag they're fat free in the middle fat free in the middle i love it That's right <laughs> hell yeah um so, you know, when did you guys get to the point where you're like, hey, you know, we're really on to something here. Maybe we should think about like taking the brand national. And I guess when did you rebrand to to Donut Envy? You know, in the in the first couple of years, we we were just looking to create a concept for ourselves that fit our lifestyle and allowed us to travel, allowed us to make money and just you know allowed us to not have to work in corporate america that was that was the dream yeah and i worked you know as i mentioned i worked in franchises i, I was around franchises and franchisees and never in a million years at that point did i think this would ever become a franchise concept that wasn't even on my radar i had no idea how to start a franchise company and you know over time as people started to ask you know and, and tell us this is really cool like we want to be a part of this things started to come together and we started to say, we should really look into the franchise world. And of course there's companies out there that will help you franchise. But for us, it was a lot more than that. You know, if, if I'm going to put my name on anything, it's got to be 110%. And we did years of research into, you know, how was this going to play out? How are we going to actually support franchisees? If we, if we went forward with this, what would the concept look like? How are we going to provide the equipment? And, and everything else to really pull this together. And uh, we, we started looking at, it, I think in 2015, and it okay. wasn't really uh, in our in our budget at the time to actually go towards franchising and become a franchise company. But we started looking at it probably about a year and a half in or so, I would say. Okay. And uh, the demand the demand was there. And um, 
you know, it took us a while though to, to get to that point of pulling the trigger and then moving to the next stage. Because a lot of times when you're, you're a brand and you're at that point where you're, you're successful in your own operations, but then you're looking at the long term of, do I franchise, do I grow? You know, that's a, a big investment. And most yeah. times when, especially in the food world, you know, our, our kind of decision was, do we add another food trailer, which we know is going to make X amount of dollars a year because we can book it for catering and public events, or do we take that same pool of money and throw it into a manual and into, into uh, you know, paperwork and everything on the back end to formalize a new company and just totally run something new. And yeah. uh, you know, that's a big step. I talk to a lot of people. A lot of people always come up and they say, hey, how do I franchise my business? How do I do this? And uh, it's a big pill to swallow that you're not buying or you're not spending on something tangible, like another food truck that's going to start making you money immediately in your business. Exactly. It's, a, it's a long journey. Yeah, that's a really, really good point. And, you know, to do it right, it's it's a big investment, you know, to, to franchise your business. There's, you know, obviously legal things that have to be in place for you to, to legitimately be able to do it. And, you know, the mm -hmm. other consideration is because you've talked a lot about lifestyle today. Um, I, I would imagine your lifestyle's a bit different today as a franchisor than it was when it was just your local operation. It is. It's uh, a total 180. Yeah. Uh, totally different business. I mean, it's you're you're comparing two totally separate businesses. And I I was told that early on uh, from from people in the industry. You know, be prepared that this is this is not uh, you're not making donuts anymore. And yeah. you know, I, I at, at the time we knew that was the case, and it was just a question of how are we going to build this new business. And I'm a builder. I, you know, I love building things. It just it took us some time to to build the the franchise concept out, but you know, the coolest thing is, you know, watching others take our concept, relive our journey back to that, that day one, that Memorial Day weekend experience. They're a little bit overwhelmed at the beginning. I, you know, it'd be lying if, if I said not, even through all of our training, you know, you're making donuts and you're at an event for the first time. So it's, it's going to be a little bit overwhelming. We offset that with things we learned, like the last day of training we do is called Donut Envy Live. And we basically round up as many people as we can to hit the window overwhelm them with uh donut orders and lemonade orders and <laughs> just get it. that donut machine cranking you know so that they get that real world experience on the company truck while they're still training with us but uh you know there's there's uh you you learn very quickly especially with uh with that sport not trying to figure it out yourself there that's so cool you, you just kind of throw them throw them into the fire last day of training like hey here's what that's right. uh here's here's what this business is like when you're in the weeds and and that's a good <laughs> thing right because that means you got lots of people wanting the donut so um, it's like the john john taffer stress test if you will so yeah, just throw yeah, yeah. right in uh we, we've heard that many times from from franchisees and they say this i they're like i feel like i'm on bar rescue or this now, is the john taffer stress test do you yell at him like john Ta john taffer might <laughs> No, we're we're pretty nice. <laughs> I, I, I can see that. I don't I don't see you being quite quite as intimidating as, as no, John Taffer. No, it's it's a lot of fun. It's so much fun. Uh we actually had we just did a training a couple of weeks back, about three weeks ago. And uh, there was actually a boys and girls club visiting the center where our company truck was. And they got hit with literally like 40 people, uh, you know, all at once, which was awesome. So now are it's you really giving, cool to see that. 
Are you giving the donut? Are you giving the donuts away? Yeah, 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 absolutely. So that's that's part of the the training is is giving that away, and you know we just want to be able to churn and burn those orders as quick as possible because that's what we do. You know when we're catering when we're on site for colleges and and special events, a lot of that business is prepaid. So we want them to experience getting 200 bags of donuts out the window an hour. You know that's that's the goal. Yeah, I remember when I first. first learned about you guys you were doing a webinar with us and kind of taking us through the business and some questions were being asked about you know volume and capacity and stuff like that and I was blown away with how because this stuff's all made kind of to order right I mean you're not like making all the donuts first thing in the morning and and you know if someone comes five hours in they're getting cold donuts like this is all pretty much just in time right all made to order. Yeah, it's yeah. All, all just in time. Uh, we want to be a couple of seconds ahead of each order. The way we structure it, the way we teach the system is, you know, you have someone in your window, they're taking orders. They're also grabbing beverages from the quick serve station behind. And then you have someone that's making donuts and they're listening to what's happening in the window. They're, they're really working very closely with that, that uh, window employee and really getting donuts bagged as soon as you hear the flavors you're starting to to get them uh, topped and ready to go and by the time that beverage is you know in the customer's hand they're also getting their bag of donuts they're out the door from the time we greet them to the time they get their beverage and their their bag of donuts 45 seconds yeah that's amazing that's a machine right there and and also a perfect example of how much time and effort has gone into refining this process. Like no way someone's opening their own version of this and <laughs> knowing how to get a client in and out with a freshly made donut and a drink in 45 seconds. Um, no, I mean, just to clarify, yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> Maybe longer because you're pretty yeah. sharp, right? So some someone else may, may take them a good bit longer than that. So, and to clarify on the beverages, you guys do what? Fresh squeezed juices and hot and cold coffee? Yeah. So it's, you know, it's amazing how hard it is to find a, a good juice, right? Like a fresh squeezed juice. Yeah. Think old school lemonade. Uh, we also have our own spin on orangeade and limeade. And, you know, everything is from concentrate. Everything's about the bottom line and being cheap. And you look at all your major, your brands, you know, your big ones, and everything's about, you know, saving a penny. And, you know, we're able to get a premium on our product. The lemonade is typically going to retail four or $5. That's pretty common for like a small lemonade. You know, there's margin there. There's margin to be made, but the product itself supports that, that retail price point. And the, the citrus itself is juiced fresh on the trailer. We have a Zumex juicer. It's about a $5,500, $6,000 piece of equipment. Top of the line, think automatic juicer, like when you walk into Whole Foods or any high-end grocery store, you know, and that juicer literally turns on, cuts the the piece of citrus in half, juices it and throws the peel to the side. That's what we're using. And, you know, that's going to be your favorite employee on the truck because all you do is turn it on and it does all the work for you. Um, Can juice about 25 pieces of citrus a minute, which is incredible. Never talks uh, back. no, never talks about nothing. Shows up for work. Yeah, you know, never, never calls in sick. <laughs> yeah, um, that's the big thing is everyone says, you know, how many employees does it take to run this? And two is is typical. Uh, you know, two, maybe three for like very large festivals or very large events. But you know, we're able to do it with two employees, ninety five percent of the events because we do have you know the tools and equipment in place like that uh, to help just keep things rolling. Yeah. 
it is hard to, uh, you know, we've got young kids, right? And so my, my oldest is five and she'll be like, dad, I want orange juice. That's healthy. Right. And I'm like, eh, <laughs> I mean, I don't think so anymore. Like it, it is all from concentrate It's packed full of sugar. Yeah. Um, so that, that for sure, uh, I think parents will, will resonate with having good, clean, fresh, you know, juice that tastes good, but is not, you know, loaded with, with a bunch of crap, um, just to, to make it cheaply. So for the listeners that you're hearing Alex describe this, uh, this trailer, right. There's clearly a lot that they've put into, to optimizing this trailer to be exactly, uh, you know, what it needs to be to operate the business and operate it in a very efficient manner. So this is a big part of the value add for a new franchisee, right? Because this is completely turnkey. What I, what I want to do, let's, so let's walk through it like this. Let's say, all right, what are the, the typical challenges or obstacles to getting into a food concept, right? Getting your location, right? Usually very expensive, very time-consuming. Um, food wastage, right? complexity mm-hmm. in the menu and then let's talk about labor so start with kind of your trailer right you guys are building these things from the ground up selling them to uh you know that's part of what a new franchisee is getting is they're um you know on their way to open and so that's a completely turnkey process for a new franchisee correct totally turnkey you know when we were looking to get into business for ourselves we started just searching online and that's how we found the used donut equipment And if we could have found something that was truly turnkey from start to finish, that was a system like ours, you know, we would have gladly did it. Uh, The problem was nothing was affordable. Everything was a half million dollars and up. And we just, we didn't have it at the time. We had some money, you know, we had 401k, we had some, some, some savings there, but we didn't have a half mil to start a business. And we said, you know, if we ever franchise this, or we ever offered this to someone else, we want this to be affordable and scalable. That's the biggest thing, but we want people that were in the position that we were in to be able to afford it and be able to get in. And, uh, you know, I feel like we've done a very good job of, of getting it to that point uh, today. And that's, that's what we, we see with a lot of our, our, you know, franchisees that come on board. Uh, but yeah, the, the trailer itself is built from the wheels up. We actually relocated ourselves to the Orlando area to oversee production of our trailers. And, um, you know, they're, they're state of the art. They're one of a kind. Everything has a space, you know, it's in a particular space for a reason. And, you know, it just, it makes sense. It's simple. We don't use refrigeration. We don't use freezers because we don't need them. Uh, everything is made to order. And, you know, there's, there's very limited holding. We have a beverage dispenser that's refrigerated and that's about it. Um, you know, what makes it super simple too. One of the biggest questions we always get is, or biggest worries, I should say, from franchisees is what is this going to look like with health departments? What's this going to look like with inspections? And I don't know if we've ever had a health inspector on our truck for more than 60 seconds because they walk on, they test our water, they make sure it's hot, they look around, they see everything is clean, it's all sparkling stainless, everything's labeled, everything has its place, and they say, where's your refrigeration and freezers? We don't have any. And they say, wow, that's incredible. And they say, this is the (laughs) nicest truck we've ever seen, and then they're on their way, or they're just hanging out. uh, Yeah, or they they stop and grab, grab some donuts before they leave, right? Yeah. Yeah. So or they bring their family back typically. So, uh, you know, that's that's definitely a uh, a nice pat on the back is, is if the health inspectors are eating at your truck. That's a big thing, because I know firsthand they don't eat at most places they inspect. Uh, yeah, so, I believe it. I, I think 
having that job would probably uh, <laughs> probably ruin you from wanting to, to eat out at yeah. most places. But oh, and, and that's an that's another huge differentiator that I hadn't thought as much about, which is just because of the simplicity, there's a lot less complexity in all the permits and and stuff that you w- would need to have in most restaurants or permit certifications, you know, whatever. But um, so that's th- those are like two key differentiators if we're comparing a donut envy to you know a traditional food concept, right? Which is upfront capital, far far less, very turnkey, quick process, right? So you know that's something that that I find aspiring business owners or aspiring franchise owners don't always think as much about when they're evaluating different types of opportunities. Is okay. What's what's the realistic timeline to actually being open and being able to start generating some revenue, right? A traditional restaurant in the franchise world, it's probably anywhere from nine to 18 months from the time you sign franchise agreements until you can realistically expect to have your doors open and start generating some revenue. Where something like Donut Envy is going to be much quicker than that, I would imagine. Um, And that's, that's an important thing for a lot of people, right? Because depending on their circumstances, they may not have nine to 12 to 18 months to just be spending money to get the business open, but have nothing coming in. Yeah. That, I mean, that's the coolest part is you can write your own schedule watching how quickly our franchisees get open is I think second to none. I, I would be curious to see if there's any other concept out there, especially food that gets anyone open quicker. I mean, we're doing, you know, a, a usually a three to four month ramp up, getting getting them familiar with things on the back end before they come to see us in training. Most people will tow their trailer home or they'll have it shipped. And once they actually have their trailer home, they're in business the following week. I mean, yeah. that's very, very common. Like literally you will take your trailer home on a Friday and you can be doing your first event Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, pending health inspections, making sure all that's in place. But we're we're working through all those inspections and those permits, all that leading up to training and getting your trailer so that when you get home, you could literally open your doors, you know, as long as you have that health permit and you have events ready to go. And a lot of times, you know, our, our training is so interactive that, our each franchisee has their own CRM system through our main system through Don't Envy. That's that's a big part of of our lead capture and quick lead response. Many times in training, we're working live events because our franchisees are sitting there in training. They're getting inquiries both through Facebook and social media, but also through our system, our lead system. And we're working them in real time. We're booking events. I, I think every training we've done in the last year, you know, we've seen at least one or two events get booked while they're literally sitting in training. That's so cool. That's awesome. Um, I that's that is like there's got to be no better feeling, right? For you, like seeing a how excited a, a new franchisee at training gets when they book that first event and they haven't even left training yet. Well, that's, that's the big question is how am I going to book events? You know, how am I going to do this? You, you guys make it look so easy. It's got to be too good to be true. And, you know, we're, we're selling more than just donut. We're selling the experience or we're selling something that, that really isn't sold in the market right now. It's that experience of, you know, getting a, a great product, interactive experience, a, a great you know, team that shows up and they're happy to be there. You know, that that's the experience you're buying. We're selling that, that 
experience you can't buy on Amazon, you know, and, and that's what we've always geared this after. This isn't, you know, we're not selling a product. We're not selling, you know, something, tan something that's, uh, you know, not that's so much fun. Like you're not just buying it to buy it. You're buying it because you want to make someone happy. You want to make your party, you know, your, your kid's first one-year-old birthday party, uh, you know, just really different, or you want to do something unique for your bar mitzvah and just want to wow your guests. You want to do weddings and, you know, at your wedding have, have a really cool send-off gift more than just a, a bottle of bubbles for guests to take home. Yeah. You know, it's, it's going that, that extra step, uh, to impress your guests. And we make sure that we're training our franchisees to follow in that and, and make sure that they're always delivering, you know, customer services is, is number one, delivering top-notch customer service every time. Yeah, that's that's so important, right? It's it's way more than just donuts. It's all about the experience, right? And and one of the things that really struck me when I first, you know, started learning about you guys was number one, just I mean, you listed off a bunch, but I'm sure there's far more that that we could list off in terms of just types of events and types of clients that that you can have in this business. And, you know, you've got mobile components. I know you've got franchisees that have multiple trailers in their territory at this point and one is usually more stationary where they'll kind of just park it and and it's almost always there um and then you've got the the mobile component so i i love this business because there's so many different angles that you can work from a, a consumer standpoint there's definitely the opportunity for repeat business and that you know groups and organizations will want you to come back and and work with them on a regular basis uh, but there's also the snowball effect, right? Like this is going to catch people's eye. They see, you know, Donut Envy out and, you know, one-year-old birthday party, right? A mom hires Donut Envy to come to the one-year-old birthday party. Well, guess what? All the other moms there with kids that are young and in the same age, they're probably like, oh, crap, we got we to gotta keep up. We got to make sure, you know, Donut Envy is at, at our next birthday party. So it just, mm -hmm. it, it kind of spreads like wildfire, I would imagine, as, as you just have more exposure. It, it does. We actually call it the battle of the party. So it's funny. We'll go to one <laughs> party, just as you described, and we'll be there. And then we'll go to another party. And it'll be us and then like a fry truck, like French fries. Yeah. And then you'll go to the next truck. It'll be us, French fries, and then a hamburger truck. And yeah. then by the time you get to the sixth party, there's like 12 food trucks for 30 people. And you're like, what's going on here? Yeah. It's and just, everyone just, you know, they just want to, the food, food trucks are cool. Yeah. It got a one up, right? Um, I've That's never, right. pre-kids, I would have never imagined how much energy and money is spent on like a one-year-old's birthday where they're not, they don't know what's happening. They're not going to remember yeah. this. Like, uh, but especially, you know, it's a lot of times it's the moms, they, they want to make it a good experience. And, and I totally understand why, but um, yeah, that's cool. So, so talk to us. A lot of times we're asked too. they, you know, what we're asked, you know, our weddings, like your top event. And we say, you know, we actually book more one-year-old birthday parties than we do weddings. And it's because it's for the parents. It's, it's hilarious. Yeah. I could totally see that. Like <laughs> I, I couldn't tell you how many one and two-year-old birthday parties I've been to over the last couple of years. So I, I could totally see that being a, a sweet yeah. spot for you guys. Um, <laughs> so talk to us a little bit more about, cause again, in most food concepts, a big challenge is, and why the margin potential is usually fairly low in, in most food concepts. It's another reason I'm not typically all that excited about most food concepts, very capital intensive to get up and running, but then pretty low margin opportunity, even if you're operating at a very high level. Um, so 
How is that different for you guys? Yeah, low margin and high waste are not a good combo. No. And, you know, most people think of the restaurant and food world as that, you know, long hours. And we've really kind of nailed it. We we have a we have a product itself, you know, that the donuts uh, are, are to, based on a dry mix. It's a proprietary donut mix. You simply add water to the mix, blend it up, put it in the donut machine, turn the donut machine on, and you're cranking out about 1,100 donuts an hour from your donut machine. It's as simple as that. It's super, super simple. Um, because you're making mixed order, you're not going to make too much at a time. We make it in a KitchenAid mixer. You're literally making it by the scoop. So you're watching how many guests are coming to the window, what your flow looks like. You know, if it's busier, you're going to make more mix. If it's slower, you're going to make less mix. If it's rainy, you know, you're going to compensate for the weather, things like that. It's just yeah. about paying attention. But the product itself, you know, has a strong shelf life. And, uh, you know, same thing with the beverages, because we're fresh squeezing everything, you know, it can be made to order, you know, based on the number of guests, based on the menu that the, the customer chooses, uh, you know, we're going to make what we feel is going to be enough for, for that event. We'll make more if needed, but, you know, if we run out of lemonade, we'll just throw more lemons in the juicer and make them to order. And if we don't need those lemons, we're saving them till the next event, the next day, or, you know, two days later, whatever it might be. And the juice isn't going bad. The lemon's still good. Yeah, Simple. it's it's huge. I mean, that's that's such a a big difference. And, you know, we don't need to get into to too many numbers and stuff. I try to stay away from that on the podcast. But just from what I've seen and what's in your franchise disclosure document, I mean, the margin potential in this business is absolutely phenomenal. And that's a big part of it right there is I mean, it doesn't get any simpler than that. Right. You've got a mix, a powdered mix that you just mix with water. You don't have to use it all at once. Great shelf life. Um, I mean, that's that's a game changer right there. Talk to me about the labor model because that's that's another big difference. Yeah, so a successful truck, you know, a typical truck is going to have a uh, basically a truck, a driver, a truck manager, if you will. They're going to be driving the vehicle, setting it up. Uh, they're going to be the front lines for making sure that that guest the host who booked you, you know, has a perfect experience with us from the time we arrive to the time we depart. So they're going to be doing everything from setting the trailer up, making donuts, typically uh, just kind of facilitating the event. And then you're going to have a helper, an employee that's going to be working the windows, serving beverages, also delivering superior customer service. And between the two of them, that's going to be able to serve, you know, you're able to serve 95% of events with just those two people. So, yeah, another another big difference. You don't have like people working where they're standing around doing nothing, really, like you do yeah. in in a lot of restaurants. It's it's very strategic. Hey, we've got these events, so we need you know X number of people to work this event. I'm sure there's a little bit of prep time, a little bit of cleanup time afterwards. But other than that, when the event's over, your your people are off the clock. Um, yeah. Talk. Uh, another thing I want to make sure you you have a chance to speak to is, you know, you've talked about a lot of different events that that a donut envy could get set up for. You guys have minimums a lot of times, right? So like, you know, hey, we're going out to do this event. We're putting the trailer in motion. You know, we've got people that we're paying to do that. You know, mm -hmm. you're going to make at least a certain amount of money by doing that event in many cases, right? Yeah, so there's there's three standard models that a franchisee may follow. So you're going to have your your standard models can be a 50-50 mix of public and private events. So that's 
public events are going to be things like food truck festivals, fairs, carnivals. Um, a, lot, a lot of times people see our truck and they say, oh, you must only operate at carnivals. We have the carnival feel. But we're bringing that carnival feel to your door, to your your, your kids for his birthday party, to your wedding. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's what you're, you're really paying for on that side. Um, you know, in the public events, longer days usually, uh, but you're going to pick and choose based on flow charts and guidance that we give you during training to make sure you're spending your time wisely and you're not just going out to set up and hope for the best. Yeah. And there are minimums that we ask for from event hosts and some Sometimes we're paying a fee to be on site at a public event. Other times, if we're part of like a grand opening celebration, but they want uh, customers to be buying from us directly, we have uh, spend minimums and spend guarantees to make sure that we're, we're covering our costs and our expenses to be there. Uh, on the other side of that 50-50 equation, we have catering. So catering is going to be your private events, your guaranteed events. Those are usually a lot quicker. Um, so that's going to be a defined time, defined right. number of guests. And, you know, you're you're on site for 90 minutes or two hours. Uh, branching off from that, that 50-50 model, you have 100% catering, which is actually what our company trailer does in southeastern Pennsylvania. So we operate in the main line of Pennsylvania, right, up, right in the King of Prussia area. We do a lot with the major schools like Villanova University, and we do 100% catering. And for us, it's been tremendous. We build great relationships, you know, with the with the with the the, uh, the customers we have. You know, make sure they're well taken care of, and many of them have us on site once a week or once a month. And you know, we've built a tremendous business really only since COVID. Um, you you know going into this catering route because a lot of what we did previously was public events and as uh kind of covid pushed public or pushed events outdoors uh that really filled a niche the food truck world as a whole filled a niche uh that was much needed outdoor dining and outdoor events and things like that so our company trucks 100 catering and then we also see kind of the fixed location models you mentioned earlier so we'll see some of our franchisees leave a trailer in place and they'll leave it at a shopping center or somewhere like that where they're paying rent and they basically operate as a fixed location. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating. Right. And that's something else I wanted to, to ask you about. So, you know, number one, like what type of franchise owners are you looking for? Like who, who is in your mind kind of your ideal franchise owner? And then the follow-up question to that is talk a little bit about the scalability that this model offers what's what's kind of the long-term potential for a franchisee assuming they started with one or two territories but they wanted to keep growing the business but didn't necessarily want to go out and buy more territory so ideal owner and then what's the pathway to, to scalability look like sure you know in terms of ideal owner it really comes down to attitude you know because you can fulfill so many different roles in this business you have the back end sales and marketing, and then you have the front end of actual operations. So if you're not an operations person, but you love the concept, you can definitely do the back end sales and marketing, maintaining employees, maintaining inventory while you hire someone that does operations. It's essentially, I actually still run our company trailer. I do all the back end from Florida and our company truck is run by one of our franchisees and former managers in Pennsylvania. So, mm -hmm. you know, that's a perfect example of kind of a semi-absentee setup yeah. works great. And we're hitting, we're actually hitting record numbers in 
2022 over 21 21 was our best year ever wow so you know it can be set up however however it is that you want if you want to be more of an operator you can absolutely hire someone to manage your back end as long as they you know know what's going on they come to training that's where we'd encourage someone else to come to training with you learn the marketing and sales side get you you know active on social media and manage the leads as they come in um so you know if, if someone wants to be fully absentee you just need kind of a combination of both, you know, someone that's going to run your truck, run the back end. And in terms of scalability, what's really cool about our concept is once you own a territory, you can add additional trailers in your territory without paying another uh, initial franchise fee. Yeah. So you're going to pay ongoing royalties per trailer. You could have 10 trailers in one territory and, you know, you own that territory, you're not buying another territory. So if you have one location, one trailer, let's say that's at an outlet center, one that's at a mall, one that's doing public events, one that's doing private events, you know, you very easily can have multiple trailers in that one territory. You know, as we grow at this point, you know, the best thing is if, if someone's looking at multiple territory to kind of gobble that up now so that as we grow, you know, you're not getting locked out of territory, but yeah, um, having neighboring territories, two, three, four, even five territories next to each other, uh, you know, that's going to really long-term allow you to grow your business, you know, as you grow in the community, uh, community involvement and, and being a part of giving back in the community is a big part of what Don Envy is all about. And, you know, as you integrate with your, your local surroundings and, and everyone that you probably already know and just learn you know who else is there and, and establish those those connections even greater uh you know things as you said earlier just really start to snowball yeah that's that's so cool i mean i i look at it and i'm like look if i own a territory i would want to at least get to the point where i've got three trailers one that's kind of the fixed location one that's like your company truck that's just doing catering and then one that's popping around and and hitting all the different, you know, public events and stuff. And, you know, just kind of have like three different arms to the business in that regard. But um, yeah, there, there's there's numerous ways that you can scale a business like this, which I think is um is really exciting, especially when you consider the cost associated with doing that, right? Like you said, you know, once you've got your territory, you can keep adding rigs and obviously rigs or trailers, obviously there's a a cost for the trailer. Right. Mm -hmm. But, um, compared to, you know, being a multi-unit quick service, uh, you know, like a Chipotle or something like that, like the only way to scale is by adding locations. And there's a huge cost associated with getting an additional location open. So, you know, this is not nearly as capital intensive to keep growing the business as, you know, again, most other, other food concepts are, and another thing probably worth mentioning, and, and we'll start wrapping this up here soon because I know you're busy, but um, you kind of alluded to this a minute ago. You guys have a flat royalty structure, and is it per trailer? But it's not a percentage of revenue like most, right? Yeah, so it's a flat royalty per trailer, uh, which is really unique in the it franchise is. world as a whole. Yeah. Uh, we believe you know, the more you work, the more you should keep in your pocket. That's really mm -hmm. what it comes down to. We have our base cost of what we need to support our franchisees you know, in terms of marketing support, uh, CRM support, uh, advertising for the net, you know, the, the entire system, the entire network, uh, making sure that everything on the back end is covered. But really, you know, if you want to do an event every day, which we have franchisees that do do that, um, they're paying the same royalty that someone that's doing this more part time, maybe once or twice a week is paying. And, and that's the coolest part is, you know, you're going to set your own schedule, you know, exactly what 
your next 10 years with us are going to look like. And you can literally roadmap, you know, how your business is going to run based on exactly what you're paying. Yeah, that is very unique. Um, and, and definitely incentivizes, you know, your franchisees to, to do more volume, right? Because the more they do, the, the stronger their bottom line will be. Um, and it's not as impacted by the, the royalties. So, um, and another thing we didn't really have as much time to to hit on, but uh, I'll give you a chance to to maybe kind of plug it here a little bit. From what I've seen, you guys have a really nice, what I think of as like a technology stack, right? You've got all of that really kind of dialed in and, and that's very turnkey as well. And that's a big thing that people overlook when they're like, why a franchise versus doing something on their own, the, the technology yeah. side of it, regardless of the business, like in this day and age, you have to have really solid tech in place. And, you know, you guys have, have really built out a good platform in that regard. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're great at generating leads on the front end through Facebook, social media. A lot of what happens is organic, you know, and, and that's going back to the question of how do I book events? What's that going to look like? You know, a lot of that, that happens organically because one, you're driving a moving billboard, and two, you know, <laughs> yeah. just just from posting pictures of where you're at and what's going on, you know, that's that's really the key is sharing. Hey, we're here. You know, we're at this farmers market today. We're at this, uh, you know, graduation party. You know, sharing where you're at and showing this is what we do goes a long way. Uh, and then we also educate our, our franchisees on how to boost posts and how to do their own paid social media. I mean, the coolest thing about what we do, I think, one of them is we only have a six hundred dollar a year annual spend minimum for in-house for your own marketing. So as mm. a franchisee, all you have to spend is 50 bucks a month. And the reason we do that is because we want you to spend that on Facebook ads. We want that on Instagram ads or, you know, supporting like your local little league team, stuff like that goes such a long way with our business. We keep our territories to around a hundred thousand people and being integrated with your community. And then also being able to advertise and hit those same people on social media through local marketing goes a huge, huge way. But if you don't have a system on the back end to capture that data and convert it, you know, that's that's not gonna do you any good. And yeah. that's what we, we were seeing that a little bit where we had franchisees generating leads and interest and all this stuff was coming through by email and they're getting overwhelmed and they didn't have really a template way to respond so we invest, we're constantly investing like any good company. And, you know, we, we invested in a, a great system, the Donut Envy lead connector system about a year and a half ago. And we rolled that out and it allows incoming leads to receive uh, text messages and emails automatically as soon as they input a lead. And then from the franchisee side of things, they're also going to have templates to respond with. And everything, pricing, every scenario is templated out. You're going to you know, click a template that corresponds to what you need to respond with in pricing. You're going to set your own pricing based on location, your own minimums, your own individual pricing, and you're going to send it off. And the system follows us up for you. It sends reminders to the email. Hey, it sends reminders to the customer. You know, hey, do you want to book with us? Just a quick reminder, just checking in, um, you know, things like that. So it's, uh, you know, just just putting the whole system together made it a lot easier for our franchisees to run their business. And even if you're on the truck making donuts and someone puts a, a lead request in while you're literally on at an event making donuts, you know, they're getting a responder. Hey, this is Alex from Donut Envy of 
King of Prussia, Pennsylvania. We're going to be in touch soon, but here's my number if you need me in the meantime. So little stuff like that goes a long way. Yeah, it does. And, you know, we we built a nice little, like you said, a nice little tech stack um, to, to support our, our franchisees and their growth. Yeah, it's huge. Um, that That ability to be responsive and actually you know, capture leads and then handle those leads the right way is, is a game changer in any business. Um, and then just to, to highlight, you know, what you said about your, your marketing spend requirements. I mean, $50 a month, you know, that's like a dream business for most people, right? <laughs> like, you know, one of the businesses we own is, is a pretty marketing and advertising intensive business. And we have, you know, a monthly budget far, far greater than $50 a month. And we've got really good processes to track, you know, our ROI from our marketing investment. And it's absolutely worth it. The ROI is strong, but, you know, damn, I I really like the idea of a business that kind of just markets itself. It's a very social media friendly business. Like I can see why that's the best strategy and that's a very cost effective mm -hmm. strategy too. And then you've just got that organic kind of snowball effect. The more people that see it, the, the more interest and awareness there's going to be. So really, really unique model that you guys have built. I, I, I love it. Um, and, and I'm glad we had a chance to kind of unpack some of this because like a lot of the franchises out there that in my opinion can be really, really good business opportunities. And from an ROI standpoint, in terms of how much capital it costs to get the business up and running and, and the, you know, ultimately the income it can generate for the franchise owners, it's not what most people may be thinking of initially when they're thinking of a franchise. You know, I could see a lot of the people I work with looking at something like Donut Envy, like if they see a ad for the franchise opportunity online or something being like, yeah, not not the type of business that that I <laughs> see myself in. But, you know, hopefully the listeners really picked up on, you know, how how tight of a model this is and all of the benefits that that come with that. Um, so glad we got to spend some time on that. To wrap this up, just kind of quickly share with us, you know, where is Donut Envy today in terms of number of franchisees, territories, et cetera. And then I'd love to kind of hear your thoughts on, you know, what your vision for the company is going forward. Yeah. I, you know, as of today, we sit at 14 franchisees with 16 total territories. Uh, we have, we're on an explosive growth path right now. Uh, you know, we are part of the franchise Fastlane family, which we are super, super excited for. That was about two and a half years in the making for us. Um, so we're proudly repped by them. And we're actually their first food brand ever, which yeah. speaks tremendous volumes. Uh, we're incredibly excited about that. We love being a part of that system. Uh, you know, from, from what we've been seeing, uh, we're expecting to double our territory count probably in the next two months. That's, wow. that's, our, that's our immediate goal right now. Uh, we're kicking out about one trailer every week. So we'll be able to support that on the back end. Uh, we just moved into a brand new 5,000 square foot training center on International Drive in Orlando. And it's beautiful. It was, you know, it's built out for exactly that training support. Uh, it's a home for our franchisees and we're incredibly proud of that. And, you know, as, as we progress, you know, our goal uh, really by the end of 2023, kind of looking ahead, we want to be at about 250 total territories. And, uh, you know, I, I think we're, we're on track 
to do that just based on what we're seeing with um you know pipeline and and everything going on especially in uh, kind of everything that's happening in the world people want to be business owners more yeah. so now than ever yeah and there's there's so many great programs i remember when we were first looking at to get into business it was so hard to get a loan and um you know the, the reason we went the trailer route is because your it's equipment the whole package is equipment and instead of having to finance a brick and mortar concept or brick and mortar building, you know, lease payments, banks don't want to finance that. They will through SBA. But the fact that we have a trailer that has a defined price with defined equipment, we're able to get financing done in many cases in a week, two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. You it's know, just a simple equipment loan. Yeah, that's it. And, uh, you know, that's that's why we ran with the trailer concept. And, you know, that's why we're so confident we can get so many units open, you know, over the next uh next year here and we're really yeah. excited for it that makes a lot of sense well you guys are definitely poised for for huge growth and um just love what you've done with the business up to this point i know you'll Thank continue you. to to refine it and and improve on this amazing foundation that you have and it's going to be very exciting to see you guys continue to do big things in the coming years and you know i'm a big fan i'm a supporter and i'll definitely send good people your way as the opportunity presents itself but um alex really appreciate you making time to drop in here on the path to freedom podcast and just keep doing what you're doing man thanks wes i appreciate it thanks so much for having me you got it That's a wrap. Thanks for joining me today and be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you'll know when a new episode is released. You can also check me out on my website at www.path2frdm.com. And if you want more information about franchising or just want to say hello, feel free to contact me at Wes at Path2FRDM.com. Thanks again. Now go drop in.